Man, we're excited to be back. Hump day, Wednesday. Dave and I are joined this time. Someone new to the show, Reese, is joining us. What's up, Reese? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are y'all? We're doing great, man. Doing very, very good. Um, lots going on around the world, man. But the thing that's on all of our minds right now is the fact that tonight the Thunder are playing their first game of the season. We couldn't be more excited about that. There's so much anticipation. It's been a crazy offseason. But we're all right with that. We're excited about some of these these rookies. We're excited about seeing some improvements from the second-year players. Talk about second-year players. Who comes to your mind first right away? Dave, give me a name. Josh Giddy, baby. All right. What about you, Reese? Who are you thinking about? Uh, it's Poku. I think. Poku? All right. I want to see right. how I'm, he develops. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking JRE. Hmm. Trey Man, right? You can't you can't stop saying these names like they're they're too good. Like we're we're excited about how hard these guys have been working in the off season, and we get to see it out there. We've seen some glimpses of it. JRE didn't really have like a, a preseason that was that notable. I saw some people wondering, is he going backwards? I'm like, no, man, he's a professional. He knows it's the preseason. You know what I mean? Like you don't go out there and go balls to the wall once you've earned your job, right? That's for the the young guns to do. And he's a second year player who's already proven that he's a starter in this league. Um, I'm excited about what we're going to see coming up. Um, this is the day, man. We've held off to now, Dave, but we should do some talking about what we think about the Thunder for the, the season. There's been a lot of, like, guessing. We were like, hey, with Chet there, without Chet there, we've kind of mixed it up. So um, I'll let you take the floor, Dave. What do you think is going to happen with the Thunder coming up? Yeah, well, first of all, give you guys a little bit of background um, of Reese. Reese, uh, he goes to Florida State. Uh, he's from um, Panama City area, Florida, uh, which is awesome to have. My question, before we get it going on anything else, uh, Reese, is how in the world did you become a Thunder fan being from Florida? Um, my family, growing up, we were they were Heat fans because of okay. like LeBron and all that. Mm-hmm. And so one day I was just watching. They were playing the Thunder. I saw Kevin Durant, and I was like, that's my favorite player. So that's my favorite team now. Hell yeah, it just it, stuck. Man. So that's that's awesome, awesome man. That's always it. great to have like uh, something like that. I remember, uh, you know, I was a Knicks fan all the way up, growing up. So mm-hmm. like five years old, I still remember watching my first Knicks game, and being like, "This is crazy. This is amazing." And Knicks were it. And then uh, I still remember when the Thunder moved to Oklahoma City, and my brother Rob's like, "I got season tickets. You got to come watch the Thunder game." I'm like, "Nah." Knicks for life, and he's just like, "Yo, you gotta, you gotta stop with that." You know, Knicks, Knicks are in New York. We're in Oklahoma, and took me to an Oklahoma City Thunder game, and that was the first year we had Russ. And man, it was exciting. It was something, something special about that team. So it's pretty cool to be able to fall in love with the team, especially when your family likes somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> and especially like you mentioned earlier, um, on the way up, right? Like. It's one thing to be like, all right, this team is already at the finals, and then we always call those people bandwagon fans, right? They jump on. Like, it's another completely different situation when you're like, all right, we're going to watch this team grow from nothing, right? And that's what we're all sitting here doing. Like, yeah, they, we look at the team and we see a special team, but most people, pundits, experts, they all look at it and they look at our record, and they're like, Pfft. but we don't see that, right? We see a team that's growing and on the way up, and that's what – gets us pumped up about it. Going back to what you were saying that first year with Russ, like, I feel like we're, we're watching it all over again. Yeah, you're right. And, and here's the thing about going back to recent, and he writes a lot of article, articles for Oklahoma City Thunder. I think I ran across his article first time was, did you write one back in like uh, May or June or something uh, like that? It was like maybe June or July. Yeah, I, I remember you posting it, and uh, I, I remember reading it, and I, I immediately was just like, okay, I like the way he's thinking here. And going back to something we talked about last episode a lot of is uh, Chip England's um, way he comes in and changes the atmosphere, changes the, the uh, coaching and how uh, guys shoot. I look at your article that you just wrote the uh, the other day, and you, in the first part of the article, you talk about Chip's um, coaching and how just in the preseason we saw a massive, um, um, you know, three point shooting increase. Is this something that you feel like is going to continue throughout the entire uh, season? Definitely. I mean, 
if Josh Giddy can go from 26% th- from three to 50 during the preseason, I mean, I don't see why that can't carry on throughout the season. Or, or be like something that would apply to more people because I've mm-hmm. seen a few videos of like Josh shooting with Chip, right? Or well, I say mm-hmm. a few, I'm lying. I've seen one, okay? I've seen one video of it. But I also noticed that everybody in the background now, they weren't getting one-on-one attention from Chip, but they were doing his drills, right? So this should be team-wide improvement, although, obviously, you know, a wizard can only work with one apprentice at a time. Um, I'm just kidding. He probably can work with everybody. But, like, it's going to be interesting to see how this works as far as an organizational-wide element. Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. And, and I think it's going to be even more important. We see – I saw a video this morning that just came out of um, Chet – and Coach England working out um, together, you know? And yeah, it's just, you know, one-footed jump shots and stuff like that. But it's it's the the fact that these guys are, I would assume, are booking appointments with Coach and making sure that they get their time with him. And it's one-on-one. It doesn't, there's nobody else around. Um, I've seen him doing that with Trey Mann with nobody else around. I've seen him doing that with Josh Giddy with nobody else around. So, you know this, these one-on-one um, times are incredibly impactful on these guys. Now, out of another part of your article, you talk about the rookies and how they were shining and how they just really stood out. Um, which of the three rookies, I know this is probably low-hanging fruit, but which of the three rookies that got playing time did really, like, stood out to you? Obviously, J-Dub did. I feel like that's just, like, a easy answer. Yeah. But I really, I really like... Jay will I think because I remember I watched him in college hmm. and he he just has a passion for the game that he helps in just every other way not scoring you know he'll take a charge he'll fight for rebounds and yeah I mean, he just he reminds me a lot of Draymond hmm. yeah. I like it he's like the he's like the the garbage man out there doing yeah. all the dirty work you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you need those guys those guys that are like stars in their role right and everybody understands where they fit in in the team and one of those guys that um played in college with jay will um isaiah joe isn't that his name right dave like this is yes, a new guy isaiah joe. that's why my my brain is like i'm not sure if i'm saying the name right but he's he's a good player he played well in arkansas did you get a chance to watch any of his film in arkansas either of you guys and um what did you notice from watching jay will and isaiah joe playing together well did they play together, or were they uh, – he left? Well, here's the thing. I saw a clip. It looked like it might have been from practice okay. where um, Isaiah Joe dunked on Jay Will. So I can't okay. give you an exact answer on whether or not they played together, but it made me start kind of thinking they must have, but maybe I'm, sure. maybe I'm wrong here. They may have interlapped. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. We have something to look forward to the next podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll answer the questions that <laughs> but we... they went yeah. to the same high school. They played in high school together. Okay. So, um, I mean, I, I'm interested to see that. That's something, obviously, I'd like to see. But what about just... Coach D talked about it. He said that he talked to uh, both of the guys and said that, did you guys ever lose a game in high school? Right. And they said, yeah, we lost one. He's like, yeah? And he goes, yeah, we, we lost the championship game in state finals. Yeah. Pretty sore. I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's something that doesn't leave you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I but can yes, imagine. I did see Isaiah Joe shoot, man, in yeah. college. Yeah. I mean, he averaged 10 threes a game in college. That's it was, crazy. It's that's insane. a crazy, crazy but number. It's his shots and the mechanics of his shot that I get so excited about. Uh, the way that he carries himself, and everybody's like, oh, he's 6'4". But he doesn't play like he's 6'4". If you watch the way he plays defense, you watch the way that he plays offense, he's more like a 6'6 player. And that means that you know, a smaller guy playing up. It's, you know, very much Dortish, you know? Like, we got Dort out there. He's 6'4", playing like he's 6'7". And so seeing these type of guys and how they, they flow on the team, you need them. And Isaiah Joe, if he goes out there and just averages, you know, five threes a game, I mean, he's going to be hitting two or three of them a game. And that's pretty elite status at that point. We do need somebody just to get some shots up. You know what I mean? At like some level, yeah. especially days where you see like SGA may or may not be. Have you guys heard? Is he going to be playing tonight? I haven't yeah. heard. Yes, he's playing. Okay, good. And no minutes restriction either. Okay, very good. I was ever since I heard about the injury, the first, the first 
time, I was like preparing for the worst. I'm like, all right, just don't even expect him to be there for, for the first game. So that that's really good. I'm excited about that. Um, man, just thinking about the season, like starting to try to anticipate things, I get really pumped up. I really do, man. Especially with that preseason, I try not to get too excited from it. But it got me. It got me all amped up. I saw like the positive things I was looking for. We mentioned his name a little bit, and we talk about him a lot in this podcast. But Usman Jang, we saw enough to know that he belongs in the NBA. And when we saw him in the preseason, there were moments where it was like, we're not sure where, you know, how long it'll take him in the G League. That was a transition for him, and it was really solid. And you mentioned J-Dub. Like, we saw some serious, serious moments where he looked like he could be the best player on the court, like, game in and game out for, for the squads we were seeing out there running running those games. It was really impressive for him. And we had high expectations for him, whereas Usman, we didn't have as high expectations. So it's really kind of one of those preseasons that you get a little bit of both, and you never get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. You're absolutely right. And, and I I get excited because we haven't spent a lot of time on here talking about SGA and Shea. Like Shea is, is truly spectacular when he's running this offense, we're going to be such a better team. And I, I keep on, I can't help myself, you know, and Reese, I don't know where you stand on this at all, but you know, we don't feel like this team is going to be in the high lottery this year um, for picking. Um, And there's a lot of people out there that are like, Oh, look at, we could get Victor. Imagine this lineup with Victor. Um, I, I just like for us to that to happen, I think it would have to be because the Clippers, Mm -hmm. everybody gets injured other than the Clippers and they suck, you know, then we get Clippers pick which ends up being the first pick. But I I look at this team and the way it's structured and the way it's built as, as being a team that's going to be winning between 32 and 35 games. Uh, They could be surprised us and go out and win 40 games and truly just blow our minds um, out because if they win 40 games, we're looking at a situation at, at 400 or a 500 team. And if you're looking at a 500 team, you're looking at a, a really solid team in the West. And to me, that's that's something that I'm looking forward to. And the closer we get and, and getting Shea back and watching how Dort looked in uh, preseason, uh, watching how, like you said, Jay will. And Mark, you said JRE. Like these guys are massive pieces to this team and being successful. Right. I look at it like this is the year that we're going to shock a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to take note of what the Oklahoma City Thunder are really capable and that's without Chet and that's without you know whoever is going to be our draft pick for next year and whoever we pick up a free agency um, in free agency if that's what we go with because people are going to start wanting to come to play the Oklahoma City Thunder role players that recognize that they're one of the better role players in the NBA are going to look in Oklahoma City and say hey I could go there and be a star in my role because that's what Oklahoma City brings you what do you think about it, man? Where do you feel, Reese, do you feel like Oklahoma City is at? Do you think they have a chance to win 40 games this year? I th- I, I think they do. I don't want them to tank. I feel like they have an, enough talent to just go ahead and compete. And I feel like people under underrate them. Because hmm. I see people projecting them at, like, bottom of the West, below, like, the Rockets, Spurs, and the Jazz. And I'm like, they have too much talent to, like, hmm. just finish down there. And I don't care about getting Victor. We have enough draft picks that if we want, we could trade up and, you know, get a higher pick. But realistically, I think they could be a play-in team. And I've been saying that, like, for a long time. Hmm. But, yeah, no, I just... Playoff minutes, right? Yeah. I just want them to go out there and compete. Uh, I don't want want to tank. Yeah, and we saw some really good minutes last year before Giddy went down, really when SGA went down, we saw some really good things. There could be a situation where we're competing for the first half of the year and then due to injury, we find ourselves in a spot where it doesn't make sense. But the reason I feel like we're in a different spot than last year is because our depth, I would say, um, like positions four through 10, much better than we were so if we do end up in that heavily injured position we're still running out guys that are nba players and not like bottom of the bench guys for other players we've seen our guys you know we move past them and they get picked up but they're not going in and being key players on these new teams so that kind of shows you where and not that i have 
I, I love Isaiah Roby. I love Ty Jerome. I really appreciated those guys being professionals in a time of transition for our team. Um, but at the end, like you, t- you trade out those two guys for J-Dub and Usman Jang. They're younger, and they're going to be better. So that's why I think we're going to be better. I've seen uh, people projecting us to win less games than last year. Yeah. And like I'm like, how? We, yeah. we won like, I, mean, I forgot how many games we won last year. I think it was like 22, but I'm just guessing. 20-something. It was like it was in yeah. the 20s. And like second half of the season, we didn't have our best players. And we're going to be pretty healthy this year, so I'm confident we'll win more than 20 games. So I just, I don't get it. Yeah, it makes me shake my head too. Yeah. I just... Even without Shea, I think we win 25 games, no, even yeah. without Shea. You know, mm-hmm. and that's adding Shea, I feel like that's a 10 plus 10 games, if not more, because of the way he runs the offense. And that's why I keep on going back and saying, okay, like this team is already better than we were last year. You know, we just are. You know, we've got Kenny Hustle, which in my opinion is is one of the best role players, you know, bench players in the league. You've got Dort, one of the best defenders in the league. You got Shea, who's one of the best um, and penetrators in the league and getting to the hole. You've got Josh Giddy, who's one of the I, I, maybe the five greatest passers as year two, maybe ever. Um, and this young man has a serious ability to pass the ball, and he's already top five in the NBA for passing. And you're going around the you know the, what we have and the pieces that we have, and everybody's like, oh well, it's can you put them together? Can you make those pieces work? And that's where you look at Coach D and what he's been able to do with these guys and, and, and playing defense in general. And when you look at a coach and you say, can this coach coach these guys? Can he can he mentor them? Can he do that? It all starts, in my opinion, at the, the defensive line, you know, like football, whatever you want to call it. But the defensive line, if you can get these guys motivated to play hard and constantly go out there and play, you know you've got the heart of the team. And you look at what Coach D's been able to do with this this defense the last couple of years, and I've got to say is these guys, they follow him. The one time that I saw Baisley get in Coach D's face, Coach D took care of it. That was it. There was no more, you know? It was a, a mature moment for both of them. And having a coach like that, man, that's that's key. These guys believe in each other. The coaches believe in the players. The players believe in them. And that's what's so exciting about what we're going to see here is when you have a team that believes in each other, anything's possible you know it sucks that Chet's not here because I think this team had enough to be you know a top six team in the the west this year and I this team with Chet would have been a truly phenomenal team to watch so it sucks he got hurt but I hope he gets healthy and and he does things so it prevents another big injury because the reality is is that injuries happen in the NBA I mean you can't go a 10-year career without seriously injuring yourself in the NBA it's just impossible Unless you're LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 There's one every 3,000 players that can do something like that. <laughs> I hate seeing people just, like, going to, like, comment sections of a post about Chet and just saying people talking about how he's just going to get injured every every game. He's just going to get pushed around. But there's, like, there's literally, there's literally, like, videos on, like, out there of him guarding Joel Embiid. A video of Kevin Durant talking about how skilled he is and just how good he is at the game. And just other players like that just, you know, praising him and talking about how good he is, including Shea. Yeah. Yeah, and I I was watching some video podcast. I don't know who was on there, but they're basically talking about um, how good Chet is, right? And they're saying in a pickup game, they were playing, he had to play against Embiid, right? In one game, in the next play, game, he had played against KD. Um, KD. They're like, yeah, those guys scored on him, but it wasn't easy. And that was a rookie who's never played a game in, in his life in the NBA. And that's what, again, goes back to what you said, Reese. Like, that's what makes me so excited is that here's these greats, you know, the some of the greatest players to ever play the game. And they're always like, yeah, I mean, he's special. He's great. You know, like, he's a different mm-hmm. And that's that's what gets me because everybody is talking about Victor now is like, oh, he's going to be the greatest. He's going to be this, that. And I already look at it like I've said before is we've got Victor's Kryptonite. 
You know, mm-hmm. like the rest of Victor's life, he's going to be looking at Chet being like, fuck, I've got to go up against Chet now. I don't think people understand like how good Chet really is. Like the way he's able to just handle the ball, pull up from three. I mean, just like, like Stephen Curry. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's one thing that's crazy to me is when people discredit Chet, they like to say like, oh, he can only shoot threes in transition. Yeah. I'm like, that's the hardest three to shoot. <laughs> like, like moving up the court, catching the ball, and then putting the ball on the floor, and then shooting. Like, he understands when he has the advantage, right? Mm-hmm. And he has the biggest advantage in a transition situation like that. So it's not that he's unwilling to shoot in the half court. I mean, I've seen tons of big guys who would never shoot in transition shoot in half court. So it's just, it's just funny. People are going to look at, like you said, his body or whatever, and be like, oh, he's never going to make it. But... In the end, once you earn the respect of your peers at that level, then it says a lot more than what critics will say. And they, I mean, it's always easy to delete a Twitter account and be like, all right, that one was wrong about everything and let's go move into a new face. So that's where I'm like, I just, I enjoy the banter. I enjoy people, you know, making it known because in the end, when we look back and we're like, well, people, people will say, oh, the, the Thunder cheated. You know, they did this. They got they got a cheat code in Chet. It wasn't fair how they got him and all this. And we'll be like, there was no guarantees with Chet. You know, it Chet was a risk for us in a sense, although it was a calculated risk. And then this injury makes it look like, hey, at the minute, the naysayers are right. It's not going to last, but they can have their moment. You know, we'll take the war. Yeah, and another thing, I mean, I doubt we're going to make Chet guard, you know, the other team's center every every game. I mean, we have other people that are able to do that. Yeah, you know? especially in the modern game where it's not mm-hmm. Shaq, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't have well, Shaq or you're gonna have, mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to have your, your, your players, but look at how the bench is structured. We have our big men that do all the different things, you know? You got our big physical guy, which Mike Muscal has turned into <laughs> that big physical contact guy. You've got Jay Will who takes charge. You got J.R. Reed, that's the hustle guy. You've got these guys that are designed to be around Chet to take the burden off the center. I mean, that's what's so great about how Sam Presti has drafted this team is, you know, he's got Chet covered, so you know, it doesn't matter. If he's got a guard one through five, Chet's good. Which which is great, but in the end, when we see Chet really excel, I think, is when he has the ability to be kind of like that free safety, kind of roam. He doesn't get stuck. He doesn't have, like, feet that get stuck in the paint, but he's a really great help side defender. I mean, if people are going to go straight at him. Like, we saw some video of Jalen Duran in when he was in Memphis going, like, right at him and Chet continuing to, you know, push mm-hmm. back and, like, he's not going to back down. But in the end he really excels on that help side defense. And I think a bit like Ibaka in that way where, but he's already, I think a better one-on-one defender than Ibaka ever was, but I don't know. I'm pulling out some bullshit out of my ass right now. I know that for sure. Well, Ibaka wasn't getting the attention that Chet's been getting though. You know, like Ibaka earned his way into that great defender, but Ibaka was never going to be the best defender in the league. You know, that wasn't Ibaka's job, you know, whereas Chet, he could be known as, you know, a perennial defensive player of the year, you know, like he could just be known as that because he's he's that unique. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Ibaka was a different type of, of a player like that. But I mean, you watch Chet, he knows when to stand up and go for a block or when to follow the the, the guard or the, the post player and do the ghost block, you know, like. He gets the game in such a unique way that uh, it's hard to say that he's not going to be one of the greatest defenders of, of our generation, if not ever. And then, yeah. like, everyone everyone just talks about, you know, oh, Embiid's going to bully him in the paint. Giannis is going to bully him in the paint. I'm like, I hope they do. That's their job. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're seven foot, you know, 250. Like, I'd hope they would push Chet around. It'd be a concern if they didn't. That's for sure. But in the end, one of like Chet's like really great skills is his timing. So, you know, you can push people around but not end up getting where you want to get and so it's going to be fun cuz, you know, he pushes back and we'll see him, but you know, obviously we're pumped up. 
Like, Chet, the way he makes the game easier for his teammates is something that we all look forward to seeing in the long run because we think, like, hey, everybody out there will look better with, that, with him out on the court. But without him out there, we equally have an opportunity where there are players who have an opportunity to step up in a way that they wouldn't have if the ball was going to you know, go through him more often. So those guys, those guys are, are what get me pumped up. When I think about, we've mentioned a bunch of their names already, but we talked about second-year players, but who, who do you guys think is really going to take the lead? I mean, we can put SGA and Giddy to the side because it's like, all right, those guys are going to be the easy picks. But who do you think will take the lead for the rest of the team? Maybe, let's say, have a chance of being the most likely player to score 20 points other than those two guys. I mean, you think it's Dort? You think it's J-Dub? Where are you guys at? Uh, probably probably for me, probably Dort. Hmm. I mean, his shooting is definitely going to get better. Uh, I mean, last year he averaged 16, 17, I think. Yep. And I can see him being a 20 points per game guy and making an all defensive team. Yeah. I agree, man. I actually, that's who I have as well as Dort. Um, I thought about Trey Mann for a while, um, but the reality is that Dort is is matured, I mean, incredibly. His body even looks more mature than it did last year, which is saying something because he's a beast. And I, I, you know, those muscles and the way he goes downhill, I mean, there's just no way he's not going to go to the bucket, you know, five, six, seven times a game. And if he's doing that, he's he's getting, you know, 10 to 14 points easy again getting to the hole and that's without going to the free throw line that's without taking threes so yeah man i'm all with you on that dort dort is definitely in my opinion um the next guy up for 20 plus points a game so here's the thing about dort right last year at the end of the season i figured the team would be different which it already has proven to be but one of the things that changed would have been that dort will get less shots that's what i thought at the end of the season last year but the way he's come back in the preseason, I'm like, there's no way you ask him to shoot less. He's so much better offensively than he was last year. And he was already one of the better offensive players on the team because, you know, we're so young. But for him to come back this much improved, I'm like, yeah, you guys are right. Like, this guy is going to take a big step. He already has – he should have won most improved player last year, right? And he, he, he probably is a serious candidate this coming year too because that's a, the next step – from 17 to 20, that's a big step for players. Yeah, you're right, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm going to throw a question back to you guys, um, but we'll start with Reese here. Uh, what lineup are you most excited about? What five guys out there playing together are you most excited about? Let's see. Shea, Giddy, Dort. I, I, like, I like seeing those three play together. Right. So I feel like you got a little bit of everything. You got you got Shea who can score, Giddy who can just who can play make, and then Dort you know, score defend, uh, probably, Jay will. And then. I would say Jada, but I don't I don't want to go that small, but I feel like that would be fun to watch. Yeah. But probably just either Jre or Poku. Nice. So that last spot. I like it. What about you, Mark? What do you got? All right. Um, we'll go J-Dub, Kenny, um, Giddy, Shay. That's given. Um, and as much as I want to say Dort right now for fun, I'm going to throw Jang in there because I feel like if all those guys are out there and they're so competent offensively and he's like the fifth, least guarded guy on the court he's gonna look like a fucking star he's gonna be constantly getting downhill and this goes back to i think what i said last episode which is what really made me believe in shea before he came to the thunder from his time with the clippers was his ability to make the right play once you know how to make the right play and really make the defense suffer then you can start hanging on to different things to your game and he already has that element to his game. We saw him close out the game against the Pistons just like by making the right play after the right play after the right play. And yeah, so I think give him the ball at the end of the shot clock with those guys out on the court and watch him become a star. It'd be crazy. I like it, man. I, I 
I think it's it's interesting because on mine, I, I have two rookies playing as well that I'm most excited about. I don't know if that's just because we're we're all really excited about the opportunity to see our rookies play, but um, I I like the idea of Jang and J-Dub out there um, alongside of SGA, Dort, and Giddy. You know, like, I, I like the way that Jang can go to the corner, can cut, uh, can go for the alley-oop. Um, I like the way that J-Dub, I mean, he's all the above. I mean, he's he's Shea 2.0, you know, driving downhill. Having those two guys on the wing, you know, like, it would be sick, man. Like, this this team, we're going to see so many different combinations of, of players out there playing together. Like, at, at times, I bet you we're going to have, like, Giddy out there and four forwards or in or three forwards in the center. You know, like we're gonna have some crazy lineups out there just because it's the best way of lining up or it's the rotation of these guys coming out. So I don't know, man. I'm just excited about what this team can do. And again, looking at the first team and looking at the second team, our second team is going to be insane. You know, looking at the improvement and you talked about it a little bit um, ago, Mark, but looking at the improvement this team has made just in our second team is going to be crazy. Our, our guys aren't going to be like last year where it's like our top 10 guys. You know, that's not how it's going to roll this year. We've got 15 strong this year. And 15 strong is like any not like any other team out there. And we're going to be rotating guys in and out. And it's going to be nice because guys like Shea are going to be able to stay healthy for the whole season. And uh, Giddy and all these other guys that typically would be leaning on for, you know, 35 plus minutes a game. We might only have to lean on them for 29 to 30 minutes a game, allowing them to get, you know, more rest. And I really feel like that's crucial for players is that 30 uh, minute a game uh, line right there. You see a lot of guys that go over that a lot and they end up getting injured unless you're LeBron. But, you know, then you're just not going to ever get injured. Hey, that's even been catching up with him. So I feel like that's something that we have been safely been able to say for like the last 10 years. But now it's like, hey, at some point, Father Time is going to even catch up with LeBron. Uh But he's still amazing. It's still amazing. But at this point, we don't know what's going to happen next, bro. LeBron, LeBron's career at this stage, unfortunately, feels way too tied up with Russell Westbrook's legacy and everything. I got a question. sad. So uh, there was, um, I I can't remember his name, Um, a shooter for the 76ers. I don't know, played over the league. Um, Riddick. Reddick, yeah. Reddick, yeah, Reddick. Okay, thank you. Uh, he came out and said that this year everybody should celebrate LeBron, his career. That we should all take it and watch it and appreciate it and enjoy it because it's this year right? he's going to pass Magic Johnson in assist. Yeah. This year he's going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in points. Yeah. And to me, those are the two biggest you know stats as far as offensively that he's going to be passing. And to me, I got to take a step and I got to really appreciate what he's done. You know, like as as an NBA player, and, and I haven't always been a LeBron James fan, but seeing what he's doing here, and I don't know, wrapping his career up in a nice bow. I I hope I hope he has one more championship um in him, and I hope that championships with his son, because I think that would be pretty cool. But I don't know, man. It's it's kind of crazy thinking about what LeBron's been able to do this for his twenty year with which is his twentieth year, uh, this year. It's yeah. going to be crazy when he retires and not going on Twitter and seeing a post about LeBron every two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I can't even imagine. He's he's pretty incredible, and it's been a great run, and he deserves everybody giving him you know, all this attention and everything. But man. By the way, expansion shit that he's talking about with Las Vegas yeah. pisses me off big time. Wait, well, how did because it start pissing you off? Because last time we talked about it, you were all like, at first, for it. I was pumped. But then I started thinking, like, this team, this Thunder team, right? Like, maybe that's how this Thunder team gets pulled apart, is because oh, fucking bro. LeBron wants it's to bad. start a team it, in Las when Vegas. You start saying expansion draft, and you're like, you can only keep seven. You're like, whoa, okay. Because <laughs> both, all of us, if you're like, okay, we pick our, our, our favorite five lineup, but then if we would come back and say, pick the next five, You'd easily be able to fill that five in. So we're like sitting there being like three of those guys you can't protect. And it's like a nut punch. So there's the worst. I'm with you, bro. I'm I'm glad you changed your mind on it, but that's uh, man, that does suck to think about. And 
Why would the NBA do that, man? Money. Obviously, well, why money, would money. Why would they? I've heard two things. I've heard that they've talked about starting Seattle and that it's uh, having Seattle oh, yeah. and Las Vegas. Like, imagine us, like, NFL I mean, has that would be like. Teams. Why wouldn't the NBA? That's, that's what they're going to do. gut our bench. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> No, no, we're depressing. Dude, talk. you just killed the mood, bro. <laughs> like, just, we're sitting here, like, devastated. And, um, yeah, it, that's going to happen. And you know what, though? Those picks, they can't just take picks, right? I don't think they'll be, like, yeah, you can, you can, the picks. So we you can trade those. a first round pick. You can give them a first round pick instead. It's really something in the bylaws. Oh, man. I didn't know that. All right. We're going to have to get ex- become experts on that as it, as it approaches. If it ever I, gets Things could change between now and then, too. So who knows? Yeah, so I saw this video recently of Draymond talking about punching pool and being like, I really don't care about the backlash. I really don't care. Like, and you know what? I believe him. You know why? Because for me, it was like Will Smith didn't really give a fuck about everything. It seemed like until it was like he was really in trouble, right? If they were like, don't worry about it, Will, then he would have been like, it's not a big deal. So, like, he gets in trouble. How? They suspend him. For how long? Ten years, right? Then he's sitting there weeping, right? I'm so sorry, right? I don't know. This is an exaggeration. But I feel like with Draymond, like, is it any surprise that he's sitting there being like, I don't care? Like, because he didn't get in trouble. Like, he should have gotten somebody. suspended. I don't know he how should've. he didn't. He should have. Like, it's just, I feel like it's just because he's on a big market team. Yeah. Put him on, put him on the Spurs. Put him on the Magic. He's yeah. suspended, you know, who knows how long based on the warriors so yeah my question is this right why doesn't the nba have any right to suspend him right it's like oh this is an internal team thing but it seems like you're breaking some sort of like nba policy (laughs) punching a teammate i don't know though something yeah it just doesn't seem right punching your own teammate and not getting any kind of punishment and seeing him at the ring ceremony like all right I'm, i'm glad for him but it's you can tell he knows like, he's like a little boy who stole a donut, right? And is pretty sure that nobody is going to care, but he's got the, the powder donut all over his face. Mm. And it's up to somebody to do something, or he's just going to be a terror to everybody in every practice. Like, I, if I were Jordan Poole, I would be afraid of him no matter what, you know? Man, I, I saw, I mean, this is people talking on Twitter, so it is what it is, but... I mean, there's a video out there of the game last night where LeBron is standing at the opposite free throw line and he goes back towards the bench where Draymond's at and Draymond comes out, right? And you see you see Iggy there, man, and I swear <laughs> on everything, it looks like he's like making the mm-hmm. cock sucking motion about Draymond Green to LeBron. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my god, if that's what it's like yeah. there, then you know, you know the locker room is fucked right now. And then there's another video of Draymond Green on his podcast. He was like, this is our 16th episode, and that's as many episodes as LeBron has all-star appearances. I'm like, dude. It's, I'm like... It is. I want to be a Laker. That? <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. I want to be a Laker. That's why he D- punched Jordan Poole. Do you think LeBron seriously wants Draymond running his locker room, though? No. You already have Patrick Beverly in there. Right? So, like... Call it the nut house. Who who wins? Who wins? Draymond or Patrick? Here's here's what I think. I think Patrick's really crazy. I think Draymond I like Patrick would injure him. Would just, would just like break his leg or something. Yeah. Or just like, <laughs> Patrick's going for blood. <laughs> Seriously, man, he's the type of guy that you wouldn't want to actually feel like he was in a, a battle for his life. Yeah. Because if he was like in a death match, you have no idea what he's capable of. Patrick Beverly is 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 truly somebody that I would never want to meet in the back alley. That's for sure, <laughs> ever. But Draymond, like we saw him do that, we saw that punch. It was like that's probably not the first time he's ever punched somebody. Oh, <laughs> definitely that's not. What that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like uh, not okay. not with that type of veracity, veracity, whatever word is I'm looking for. Like he stepped and he knew exactly where he was going with that punch. I mean that was dead on. Like that's. That's something he's practiced. I just want to know what Jordan Poole said to him. It had to be something bad. Like <laughs> it had get, it had to be. To get it had to be one mad. of those like instant classics. And now everybody around the locker rooms, 
Every single time they see Draymond, they're gonna say it. Yeah, God. <laughs> Whisper it behind his back. <laughs> the crazy thing would be if he didn't really know what he said. <laughs> so then he was left in constant fear of ever talking to Draymond again. <laughs> Damn, dude. That's um. That's um. Uh, trench he got warfare knocked out, shit, bro. bro. Like he got knocked the fuck out is what I read, dude. So there is a chance. Did you see him at the fireworks? That. No. Oh yeah, so the uh, fireworks. Uh, Jordan Poole was a little bit on edge. Um, the fireworks went off, and he went ducking. No, dude, I gotta see this. Uh, so everybody's kind of giving him a hard time about that too. So, you you think he, you think he got like a concussion, bro? And he he might bro, be still. L- listen, man, six foot nine, two hundred and fifty <laughs> pounds, and he had everything behind that punch, man. There's not only a concussion, man. He's gonna have he's gonna have problems talking for a while. Like, straight up. If he had hit him in the jaw, his jaw would have been broken. His head was the only thing that saved him from not being, like, demolished. His head broke the fall. His head. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I keep on looking for, like, any sign of, like, black eye, anything like that. Because, like, but if there was, I didn't see anything. And they kept on showing him from the different angle, so... <laughs> Didn't really give you an angle from his left side. They were covering for him, man. <laughs> it's called the Draymond Green cover. Only shoot my good side. Man. Oh, man. Dude, that's crazy, dude. And so, as we get going, let's talk about something I saw that's that's kind of wonky, dude. So, Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft supposedly got into it in an owner's meeting. Did you see this at all? I did. Um, I did. I think Jerry Jones... What did he say? He said to Robert Kraft, like, don't fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> and then, now, Reese, you're a Giants fan. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you like Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just making sure. <laughs> because what you're going to say next is not for, for fans. I hate Jerry Jones. I think, oh, I, I cannot stand the Cowboys. So I, Cowboys fans are terrible. They just yeah. the worst. Giants, Giants we're five and one. And they're like, oh, they're not. They're still not that good. I'm like, come on. Y'all lost to Cooper Rush. No. We lost to your defense. Like, Cooper Rush is terrible. So bad. <laughs> it's like the only redheaded cowboy out there. So, with, back to this owner's thing, right? Because this is all in, in relationship to Snyder, right? No, Goodell. I know, but this Goodell. This is uh, the revote. This, oh, okay, and you're right. This is the Jerry re-vote. Jones it goes against doesn't it. vote for Goodell. Right, but so it was like thirty to one. So this has nothing to do with Snyder. And so, uh, listen, man, I think it has a lot to do with Snyder. Let's just say it does, right? Let's just let's just go with it, okay? We okay. can speculate. And that's part of why Jones is going at Kraft, right? Are we like one thing with the whole Robert Sarver thing with the Phoenix Suns? I was like, if he wanted to, he could really embarrass the league on the way out. But I feel like we might be seeing that with Snyder, like trying to take down as many people with him as he can. And here we are. I don't know. So we've talked about it before, but after Robert Kraft already got caught going to the massage parlor and all that stuff, like what what dirt does Snyder have on Kraft that would be embarrassing at this point? Like, Bro, I... Deadpool boys? <laughs> Deadpool boys. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like... Robert Kraft is married now to a doctor that's like 30 years younger than him. So, I mean, I I really don't know. I mean, it could be something like he likes like really kinky shit, you know, but then again, what happens behind your closed doors behind your closed doors. So, but I like what Jerry Jones told Robert Kraft though. What's that? Don't fuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, like first of all, here's Jerry Jones telling Robert Kraft not to fuck with him. Like, you and your me, macaroni that's like, and cheese empire, get the fuck out. Right? Like, Jerry's got something on Robert Kraft, even, I think. Because the way those two, you can't go Man. to one billionaire, go to the other billionaire, go fuck yourself. Dude, I'm fucking Jerry Jones type attitude. A unless you got billionaire pissing contest. That's it. And they're all pissing in the wind. This is This is exciting. Well... I'm excited to see what happens. Probably more will happen there than what happened with Draymond, unless you guys are right and Draymond does force his way to the Lakers, which I think Trey Young was even calling like within 
few minutes of the video being released. It was, I don't know. Is that another I, reason not to suspend him? You know what I mean? Wait to, and then boom, get him out. I don't know. I, I really hope that Jerry Jones somehow fucks it up so he can get out of football, right? Because the reality is, is that, like, for me personally looking at it, being that I'm a Giants fan, and the Giants are 5-1, and one, which are playing unbelievable football right now, which is kind of funny because... Wait, the Giants are 5-1? and one? I don't think I've ever heard anybody mention this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's saying it, bro. It. It's crazy. It's, it's I'll say it one more time. The Giants are 5-1. 5-1? Okay. <laughs> I can't believe it. We're not 6-0 like the Eagles. That's okay. We should be. We're though. not from fucking Philly. We should be 6-0, though. Yeah. Oh, it bugs me. Stupid redheaded quarterbacks that are from Cowboys. I just don't understand how the Jaguars are the favorites against us. I don't know. It's so strange, man. No one has disrespect. faith in us still. It's called disrespect. It, is, it really it is. is. Like, God. <laughs> it's the worst, man. If they, like Honestly, there's no kidding here. If any other team was 5-1, in the league, yeah. they'd be getting more respect. They call it. They call us the worst five and one team in the league. We're five we'll probably go further and say like the worst five, <laughs> five and one in history. Yeah, so exactly. I, I mean, how many but, teams are five and one? There's what? But look at like, what we did against maybe. the Ravens, man. Like, like yeah, that should have been like the you know flag planting. You know, like we're here. You know, we're not going anything because the think, Ravens are good. Yeah. And you know, to shut them down and get an interception in the last two minutes of the game, come on, like. To set up for a touchdown, like that shit's come on. That that should have been immediately like, okay, this team's willing to do whatever our, it takes to get the W's. Our defense is nice. I, I love our defense. Coaching is a big part, and then specialty. The special teams is really good, too. Oh yeah. Like so this was. I'm just going off of headlines, right? But like people were saying that this was supposed to be a rebuild year, or not really necessarily rebuild, but. It's gonna take a time. It's gonna take time. It's gonna be a process, and then here we are, five and one. Like, does that change the process? Do they start looking at you know improving the team immediately, quicker, you know, or <clears throat> stick to the plan? I think I still think they should take a quarterback in the draft, because Daniel Jones he's done he's done really good this year, but long term he's not a franchise guy, in my opinion. Because if you can get it depends on the draft pick, but if you can get, you know, a good quarterback, you know, you got to take him. Yeah, and you're seeing quarterbacks, like good quarterbacks, they, they're slipping into the late first round and mm-hmm. second round these days. And I don't I don't know why you would, wouldn't for the next three or four years <laughs> until you find your quarterback, mm-hmm. draft a quarterback in those that second round. Like, you got to – I mean – Unless you're getting a top five pick, which the you know the the Giants aren't going to do right now, and they're not going to get a top five pick, so you're going to find another way to get a quarterback. And really, that second round should be should be goldmine right there. Yeah, some good quarterbacks will definitely fall. I hope Caleb Williams from USC oh, yeah. falls. God, I really hope. That's my favorite. God, That's my number one. I, I'll be honest with you. If if Caleb Williams went to the Giants, I would be sad. I like Caleb Williams. I think I'm, I'm an OU fan. Re- oh, really? <laughs> I would be a little bit hurt. <laughs> Dave, you would cheer for him, and it would it would solve all your pain. Like, no, I, I would like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, but they're going they're they're going top ten. Yeah, they are. I don't see teams passing on them. There's unless no an injury happens. Oh yeah, like an ACL or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would still take him. Yeah, they're too I good. I would too. Yeah. I go through one more year, Daniel Jones. <laughs> I can go through that misery one more year. Yeah, because Barkley is so good, and I'm afraid he's gonna walk, man. I really am. I'm afraid he's gonna get to that point. Where he's like, I don't want to be on. I just want to be on a winning team, and you know, like, gotta get the W's, and then we gotta get a quarterback. So, you know and it can't be Russell Wilson. They need to sign o- OBJ, bring him back. Right. That's all I. <laughs> Come on. He's oh, during he's the so... game. He's just tweeting, tweeting about how good Saquon is and how good the Giants are. Yeah. So I'm like, he wants, he, I'm like, just bring him back. What do you think it costs right now? Like, they said, the Rams said they offered him like five or six million a year and he said no. So, like, what do you think it costs for him to get? Mm-hmm. You think it's 10? You think it's eight? 
Probably somewhere around that. And I mean, is he worth it? I know he's got a championship, but is he worth it? Thing. Is he, uh, that's the thing is if, it's, if he's worth it or not. I don't know. I, I would say yeah, just because I'm a huge Odell fan. But, yeah? I mean, you miss those Eli years and, and Odell? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Victor, Victor <laughs> Cruz is the years. reason I'm a Giants fan. But oh, nice. Okay. Odell's... Yeah, man. Bring Odell back then. What the hell? Just bring we need back. a good wide receiver right Literally, now. We, we, have, get, we have no injuries. one. Yeah. Like, no it's one. like we sneeze. Our, our wide receivers sneeze, and then they're out for three yeah. weeks. And it's like, what the fuck? You and just sneezed. One day, Kadarius Tony will come back. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully soon, right? <laughs> How long has he been out? Oh man. So we got we got to talk some more New York sports, dude. All we right, got the Yankees. Good. So all right, wait. You're a Marlins fan, right? All right. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the Yankees. <laughs> fuck the Yankees, man. Oh my, Derek. Fuck Derek Jeter. Oh, um, I love it. That's the only reason I hate them is because of Derek Jeter trading Stanton. To the Yankees after his MVP year, trading Christian Yelich to the Brewers, then he has an MVP year. So, you, you know, like two of your starters came from the Yankees in the Stanton trade, right? Yeah, but we got uh, we got uh, Sandy Alcantara from the Marcelo Zuna trade from yeah. the Cardinals, and then we got Jazz from I think the Christian Yelich trade. But I don't, I don't think, really give a fuck about Yelich, I'm going to be honest. But think about this, though, man. Like, how many guys have gone out there and done trades and you never heard of the guys they've gotten back? Mm. You know? Like, at least at least Jeter went out and got one or two names attached to each Dave, of the players Dave, that people know because they play. Right yeah. now, but it hasn't worked out yet. No, it hasn't. It hasn't worked out. No. And Jeter, and Jeter resigned because there's too much pressure. Yeah. Because he knows he, he knew he fucked up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, if they could have gotten healthy, and that's the thing though, the good thing about what you you know uh, Jeter getting rid of Stanton though, is he hasn't really been healthy. Yeah, and you guys would have been sitting on a three hundred and fifty million dollar contract that's unsellable. You know, mm-hmm. the only reason it was sellable is because he just won the MVP. So, I look at that as like you know, probably they, the reason the that the, the Yankees won't be able to sign Judge because you can sell all the. The, the things that they've done better than anybody they have, bro. You're sitting here selling the shit they out have, of The Marlins have such good pitching. Like in they the do. minors, they do. Like they, br- they brought up Max Mayer, first game, yep. Tommy John. I'm like, okay, perfect. Like, what now? Yeah. Well, Fernandez, too, man. Yeah, that was... You know, that's, what, five, six years ago? But mm-hmm. still, like, it's like that you get a good pitcher and something happens and it's like, what the fuck? You know, like... Injuries hurt injuries hurt them a lot this year. I feel like they could have made a run for the wild card. Yeah. Because, I mean, before everyone got injured, they were around 500, maybe above. True. Then it just goes down every yep. year. Yeah. So, with the, with the Yankees, Mark, <laughs> the cradle, man, the cradle. Did you see... Torres at the very end of the game with a final out went to Jared Naylor and just let him know. Jared Naylor, we keep calling him that, bro. I know I his, his name's Naylor. not Jared. We know Jared Naylor. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bro, so the Yankees advance. Good to see. I know everybody on the podcast is happy about that. And um... I, I, I look at this as being the moment where Houston Astros have had too many days off. You know how some teams uh, just get hoping, out of sync? You're hoping, dude. I'm hoping that this has you know, knocked them completely out of sync and that it hasn't really kind of refreshed them because the reality is, is you know, being a Yankee fan, it's time for another one. Get another think, one, you know? I don't think Justin Verlander is going to have a terrible game like he did no. against the Mariners. No. He's going to be more focused. Just, oh, the Astros are too good. I don't want them to win it. But, like, I mean, if you can come back against the Manners like that with, with Justin Verlander pitching like shit yep. and you win like that, I don't I don't see how anyone beats them. No, and especially with the Yankees' bullpen having trouble right mm-hmm. now. I think it's going to be something that's going to be something to watch. Like, obviously, I want the Yankees to win, but 
you're talking about everybody's bats on on Houston Astros got to go cold, like dead cold. And and I understand that you know there's a lot of people out there that were like, oh, what about this? Well, if we were healthy and we had all of our bullpen, we had all of our guys like that there, then this would be a different situation. But you know, Cole Hamels hasn't been the same, or Clay uh, Clay hasn't been the same. You have I, all of our bullpen. I mean, they're just struggling right now. And I and I look at it like, okay. That's where we need to be at because we can't use Wandy Peralta every single game like we just did of the Indians. You're gonna have to you start know, like, bringing Garrett Cole out of the bullpen. Yeah, like what are we gonna do? Like, I don't know. I'm. It's gonna be interesting. But then again, I've seen crazy things happen where a team is up three to nothing, and everything just goes cold, ice cold, and that's that. You know. So, you know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the Yankees are on this real-time high. And listen, we've seen it happen before where, you know, a player talks trash and then all of a sudden all these players get behind him. You know, and the the whole thing with Garrett Cole and, and Naylor doing the rocking the baby while he's running around the bases, it seemed like the Yankees really stood up with, with Cole and were like, hell no, this is not going to happen to us. And maybe that's what they needed to get them together because, you know, they've been completely torn apart. Yeah, it's a rallying cry, right? And that's cool, but in the end, that's like adrenaline, right? Like in the end, you got to be able to win off of skill. And I'm just wondering who you who do you think Reese out of the teams that are left? Who do you think is going to win the World Series, or at least is the favorite right now? The Astros. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Astros and Phillies. Nice World Series. Phillies are super hot. Padres. Fuck the Padres. <laughs> I, I, Tatis pisses me off. Yeah. I mean, I never liked him before, and then he does steroids. I'm like, dude, you fucked up your whole career. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big Bon Soto. Soto's a pussy. And he just goes yep. up there and looks for a walk every at bat. You don't yep. like the the hip shifting? The Soto shuffle? Hell no. <laughs> I, I used to like him, but I feel like once he got traded to the Padres, he just he just went down. Is it the he uniform? He starts looking he for looked, walks. Or, okay. He's got a 3-0 count, and he'll just take three strikes back to back to back. Yep. I, I, I agree with you there. Uh, I'm definitely hoping the Phillies win. Um, I, would, I don't know, man. I'm kind of Phillies-Yankees would be kind of cool. East Coast rivalries mm-hmm. there old school rivalry so maybe maybe that will be something that happens but i don't know man san diego versus yankees would be fun too i just can't watch the astros win again or even get close to again because like what happened and what they did as an organization to me is really just kind of like anytime i hear an astros houston fan i'm like like it's just like it's such an irritating thing to me because of you know Judge should have won the MVP that year. We should have made, you know, gone to the the championship game and like all this other stuff because of what they did. And it's like this is bullshit. So, I want this to be payback year, yeah. man. Bring out the freaking trash cans, you know. I just feel like even if they didn't cheat, I feel like they still would have won that year. They're still such. They're so still good. A, they were still such a really good team. Yep. But I mean, you're that's right, sucks. man. It sucks. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're looking at it and you're like, they were legit. They didn't need that. They've proven it. Yeah since then but they just i don't know and it was so organizationally installed like instilled that it seems like no individual could really just say i'm not going to cooperate with it which kind of takes away from that achievement so the fact that we're even talking about it right and brings up memories of like the patriots right there's times where you're just like all right you know people do shit and we know it and then it makes you feel kind of like the whole fucking thing was set up to be you know, no matter how much you cared and prayed and all that stuff, it was you weren't gonna win. You know what I mean? It always fucks over the average fan, right? So it's always a what if, you know? Yep. What like what if they didn't cheat? Blah blah blah. You're yeah. right, man. Those are the what ifs that suck, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, what if what the if Warriors Kevin Durant never sus- left? Yeah, or the Warriors suspended <laughs> Draymond Green. You know, I think about the Kevin Durant one every day. Yeah, every day still. I, I've come to the conclusion that all things still hurts. are they work together for good, even if we yeah. can't understand it in the moment. And that's it. 
I I, I look at this rebuild this, as special. That's it. Sorry, go ahead, man. I was saying if we made it to the finals that year with Kevin Durant, Russ, we would have beat the Cavs. We oh, would have. I I always I'm like we could we would have won. But and that's been that, that's the thing is Draymond. Draymond undermined the team in a way that we can't even understand with his like what he did to KD and talking and, and hanging out. It, KD quit, and then we heard I don't I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time where we heard that there was an in locker room confrontation. I think da- during Game Six, right before Game Six, where Russ and KD got into it, and it was Russ saying, "I don't like you hanging out with Draymond." and kind of thing. I don't know. I'm saying it a hell of a lot nicer than he did, but it just it all kind of like shows to me like there wasn't like I don't know, like in big series you see teams either like come together or splinter. And just the fact that Draymond had KD's ear proved that that team wasn't going to like unite like you needed them to. It sucks. It like it was it's the hardest thing to to handle, man, like watching that team lose that lead. But in the end I look at it like, what did Sam Presti learn from that experience? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. to me, what I look at is the team just wasn't fucking deep enough. Like, you look at what we had coming off the bench, there wasn't depth. Yeah, and Alex Sabrina is coming off the bench. I know. It hurts to even think about, man. It does. It's bad. But that's, I mean, you look at these teams and we're, we're so much deeper. And there, there's a lot, there's only certain things you can control. Uh, you start thinking about things like we mentioned at the very beginning that you can't control like is an expansion draft, you know, but you can you can control what you can. And that's what I think Presti has to become an expert or has become an expert in through this time. That's my two cents. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And and that's why we, we're sitting back and, and, and watching, you know, so many different organizations held their heads above water. Uh, you know, they've been they're in year twenty or year fifteen of their rebuild. And I think that's one of the reasons why we look at Sam Presti is because I, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that that these are the years that Sam Presti focused on the draft. You know, I think this is known ahead of time. Like, we've got to get to year 22 and 23, you know, or, or 21 and 22, uh, you know, 2021, 2022. Those are the years for the draft that we want. You know, we'll take Chris Paul. We'll take whoever else. We'll keep on getting draft picks. And, I mean, look at what happened. I mean, we've, we've picked up eight players in the last two drafts that are really just phenomenal players. And I think the, the it's interesting, the one player that we really haven't brought up in the out of those eight players, this conversation is uh, uh, Wiggins, man. Yeah. You know, and he's the only one out of the eight guys that we haven't brought up. And that shows you how well this team is made and, 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 and rounded out. Because if Wiggins is one of our, you know, bottom you know, five guys or the third team, which whatever you want to call it, that's how strong this team is because on most teams, Wiggins would be a top, you know, eight player. And this is, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting to see how all these guys are fighting for playing time and, and all this other stuff. It's going to be a really, really fun year. I love how people consider us the laughing stock of the league because, you know, we've tanked for two years, you know, which, Whatever. We made the playoffs a couple years ago. You know, you got the Magic, the Rockets, the Kings, all these teams who haven't done anything, you know, and they're and they just get oh, they got good young talent, you know, so it's okay. But you get to us, oh they got all these draft picks, they're just they don't know what they're doing. They're just they're gonna keep tanking for years and years. I'm like, okay. Make sure. Yeah. yeah, when people compare us to like the Jazz, right? Because yeah, we have similar number of picks. It's like, but we've been cashing in our picks for a couple of years. We've used eight of them, and yeah. now we're now we're at similar number of picks. So it's quite different when you have eight picks on your team and you still have fourteen coming. And That's it's, what we're it's at. funny to see how like how like everyone like just has like started copying, you know, yeah. us just getting all these picks, yeah. rebuilding through the draft, you know. The Rockets, the Jazz, the Spurs especially. The Spurs just traded everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, huge acclamation of picks. And then, you know, find yourself in a position where young players are getting time and you're rebuilding from down low instead of – we've seen teams try to do it from the middle. I, it's 
We won't talk about that. We'll just move on yeah. because it's not worth talking about. I I get I get pumped about this year. I get pumped about this year for a lot of reasons, but the reality is is that you have a really young team that's going to try to prove to the world that they're not a young team. And that's going to be fun to watch. You know, like that that in itself, if you think about it, we're going to have one of the youngest team in NBA histories out there. Actually, we'll have the second youngest team in NBA history only to us last year. So if you think about that in general and what that means and what this team has an opportunity to do, it's, it's something that's powerful. And I'm pumped that we've been able to have Reese here. Um, guys, uh, we'll put up uh, his article or a couple of his articles up in the uh, comment section. Take a look at those uh, articles. Uh, he's got some talent. He's uh, a freshman in Flor- at Florida State. Um, so uh, definitely uh, excited to have you here, man. So thanks a lot for uh, stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. We appreciate it. And we will be back on Friday. And Reese, you're welcome. Come back anytime you want, man. Anytime it works out, just let us know. All right, man? All right. Yep, definitely. And uh, stick around. We want to make sure it gets uh, this gets uploaded, too. So Mark will give you instructions in a second. But, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. And we'll be back on Friday, guys, with another episode.